Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Artful Athlete podcast. Another conversation and today I am pretty excited to be bringing on someone who I've seen dance around with the kettlebell being the true unique kettle ballerina that he is to then move on to something a lot less weighty and a lot more flowy. And he's now recently, well, recently, a year ago, created, co-created his own yoga establishment, Down to Flow. Please welcome to the stage, Dil Salomon. Thank you for having me, for everyone who's taken the time to listen to us chat. Thank you, Guy. Happy to be here. How have you been? What have you been up to? Because it's been... It's been a while since, I mean, it's been over a year since we saw each other. What's on the menu? What have you been doing? Well, <laughs> um, at this point, it is now coming up to a year since the birth of Down to Flow at Home. So when lockdown took effect before that, uh, it was very much a yoga teacher running around town, mainly peddling my wares around a yoga style that I referred to as yobility. Uh, because I do come from a very like functional fitness side of things. And then once the gyms got shut and we all had to take a look at what we're doing, uh, myself and my life partner, Molly, we decided to go online as everyone did. The big knee-jerk reaction of throwing out live classes on IG three times a day, doing anything and everything possible for the donations that wonderful people put out there uh which okay I'm, I'm even just remembering now which led to the the online battle of yoga teachers and influencers which i i will get into later um and and then people settled down and started to figure out you know exactly what they're doing and so we started um an online yoga studio which with the help of a few teachers who are running their own classes. Um, Molly is phenomenal at the scheduling, creating a website. So instead of it just being the two of us, uh, you know, battering our heads against a brick wall, we were able to help out a few other teachers build a full timetable, which in the gaps also led to workshops, you know, socially distanced workshops. Back at studios, we managed to complete two retreats, one in Cumbria, one in Kent. Again, now that we're in third lockdown, to actually say that, it, it, it seems ridiculous that we were able to, <laughs> we actually had a point where you could go to, to these beautiful spots. Um, and at this point, we are looking to the future. Um, we've got a year full of retreats planned, fingers and toes crossed, because most of these were pushed back from last year postponed, cancelled, replanned, location moved. And so that's the, the two businesses which started as Down to Flow Escapes, which was then partnered with Down to Flow at Home. They are yeah, up and running, raring, ready to go for the rest of the year. And in my spare time, dare I say, uh, myself and a few colleagues, we started our very own events, hospitality, and corporate well-being company, Hasta World. That was last January, and that has grown and grown um, to the point where we should be stepping into our into our first office in the coming weeks, if Bojo will let us. So it's been a it's been a very very busy year. <laughs> That's insane. That's so good. Put it putting the self pitch out there. Yeah, totally. This is what podcasts are for. <laughs> You had, so you mentioned 
a yoga teacher wore? <laughs> um, so as a yoga teacher, it, for me, it is this beautiful, wonderful practice that people can take anything from. When you need it, you need it. It can just be for the stretching. I know you on the breathwork side of stuff, that being a huge part of yoga, the spiritual side, like it really does change lives in a million different ways. But with us now being in a social media based world and definitely the last year, it becoming more so, there is, let's say, uh, a slight hypocrisy in yoga that you, you, you actually just can't get away from. The, the whole basis is it's meant to be selfless. It's meant, you know, self-promotion is the absolute opposite of what yoga is. But we do also live in England or, you know, France, where wherever people might be in 2021, which is by nature, a capitalist society. So if you want to get your name out there, if you want, if you have a message to send, if you simply want to help people, you got to advertise, you got to pour yourself out there the best you possibly can, um, which does come through social media, then, you know, you have to put money in your pocket and suddenly teachers everywhere are part of the argument. So if we go back to, you know, March, when people were putting these free classes up on IG Live, YouTube Live, taking donations, and then you got a lot of people saying, listen, know your worth, make sure you're charging people. And, it, you know, that's fine if uh, you've got 50,000 followers, and suddenly, you know, you charge one pound, 10 pounds for a class, you're making more money than you have ever made before. But if you're a up and coming new teacher, if you're someone who really respect, you know, absolutely love the less out there side of things, you've, you've got 200 people on IG or you don't have social media. And okay, oh, feels weird saying this to you, excuse my French, suddenly you're fucked because you, you've got no way of making money. So th this did lead to this, this big, I say battle, that's very dramatic, but it's people having to, to massively reassess how to make a living, how to put food on their table. And if yoga was your sole profession and you've been working along one path, people have had to absolutely write out because if you don't swim, you, you sink. That's what I meant by the battle. <laughs> but I, I totally get this. And do you think, I think we had that conversation at the gym that, you used to teach at a while back but because we had this trend of do yoga with baby goats do yoga with beer do yoga with kittens or puppies or whatever standing out as a wellness practitioner whether you're a yoga teacher a breath worker on what now feels a like a saturated market on social media is even more difficult because you can't promise an experience of hello come in and I'm just gonna throw in a bunch of puppies while you're doing your flow and this will provide you know release of emotions and whatever the one of the difficulties I feel is also in making sure that whatever you're providing online is as unique an experience as you would have provided in a space yeah one thing you'd have to sanitize the puppies now before you could actually pass them to people and actually uh that that's goat yoga which see it uh you know made the rounds on facebook and i was in south africa christmas 2017 uh went on a wine tour and get out the bus my jaw drops as there is a goat yoga class going on in a small pen with people doing vinyasas and about 19 little, what are they called? What are they called? Kids. I was going to call them goatlings. But yeah. Uh, and I was like, it's real. It's there. Um, 
but yeah, apart from the actual goats, you are entirely correct. Going back to the gym and actually uh, before I was a yoga teacher and, and mainly PTing. And so that was anything from kettlebells, uh, functional fitness, a lot of CrossFit based work. Um, there we used to always talk about the, the influences. And this was, if we're going back to like 2015, it was a lot smaller then. And people would, PTs would always say, like, I've got no time to concentrate on my um, on social media. I just want to be a, the, the best coach possible. And at the time I, I spoke like with a lot of our close friends, always used to take the piss out of the, those who are addicted to Instagram because you know, if Instagram collapses or everyone goes to the next thing, TikTok, then your entire profession is dead. Instead, it went the other way. Gyms have ceased to exist. So it's very strange looking back five years to what we believed would be the case that people put their life into creating a social media following and then things would change and they'd be left in the dirt. But really, in all honesty, like incredibly Sadly, you'll have people say they're 30s, 40s, 50s, excellent uh, well-being professionals who suddenly are, are having, you know, you can imagine your your granny or you teaching your mom, whatever it might be, how to use Zoom. They are they're having to do that, which which goes to like why I felt so lucky going into COVID was myself and Molly, uh, so my partner, we both were yoga teachers. So when we had the highs and the lows of lockdown one, we tended to have them in an opposite way. If I was feeling really down and so unmotivated, and the last thing you want to do is get on a camera to maybe, you know, that day it could be one person shows up to your class that you're going to, you're now going to do all the yoga, the actual physical practice, which you never had to do before. So if your body starts breaking down, and I know for a lot of people in the, in our profession, this is where the issues came in. So luckily if I was down, Molly really picked up the slack and could keep our business going, vice versa. She had a low week. Then it was, I, I was able to be there and to be a ray of sunshine, that beautiful bald egg of sunshine and um, which again a, a lot of people if you're if you're by yourself trying to run this you don't have that or if you're in a house share of multiple people and you don't actually have anywhere that you can do your class right people were having to face up to some incredibly difficult challenges when the government is just saying you can't work I, I go off on big tangents. <laughs> oh, no, I fully sympathize and relate because, you know, I'm I'm on, I have a foot in two industries, the arts industry and the wellness industry. And the arts industry from one day to the next, you were told, no, nothing's going to happen on one hand. And on the other hand, please make free stuff available so that we can carry on and be happy and have emotions uh, whilst being stuck at home. And it's great if you're, you know, if you're part of, of that one percent that can afford to carry on creating free content that can produce shows and and go on but for a lot of a lot of the arts industry a lot of the performance industry is made of small companies of individuals and we don't have the same means and on the wellness side of things it was very similar it was just arts and wellness are the two things that people need the most in life just because you need an outlet to escape potentially from the stress the, the stress the pressures of work and you also need something that stimulates you in creating in in going on with your life in growing expanding on 
you know, your mindset and, and how you, you move and how you treat your day. And all of a sudden, these two priorities were just not being provided with support, but still expected to run as usual. And especially uh, you, you go back to uh, to everything, Boris and um, Matt Hancock, whoever it is, uh, I, in a weird way, I, unpopular opinion, I felt bad for them as well, because you're fighting a losing battle. They effed up a lot. You know, when you sit there and you think, what would you do? You'd be like, I would have hidden, resigned. That's what I would have done. You, you're so on a yoga side of things. We are expected to be joyous. I, this is the most I've suffered with anxiety, random panic attacks, uh, the, the highs and the lows, like shed more tears in the last year than I have probably collectively through my life because of the uncertainty um actually even like watching your body change because you're being someone who's always been in the fitness industry and suddenly I, I was cycling around three hours a day between classes so your body fat's low and you're you're practicing around so your back bends are great and you're you're making money from classes so you've got time to then concentrate on improving your practice i, I know for myself like the random existential crises that i've had you know somebody got muffin tops showing up and my hips hurt it's it's been a it's a very like strange time and then you do add we're definitely in a privileged position where financially things have been okay there, there's not been a fear of not been a, being able to actually put like food on the table for, for a family or we we got a little lockdown sausage dog but that little shit is very well fed and he is he's he's not suffering much <laughs> uh, i can see it at the corner of my eye just being canoodle i do think that that however you see it gratitude or you know checking your privilege it's incredible how easily we can you know us as a country the self-employed receiving sci ss um that in itself where probably 90 percent of countries not getting anywhere near that sort so as much as i i would like to complain of the hardships uh feel very lucky and very blessed to actually be in this country and and to have some level of support it's not it's not been right it's not been even yeah it's not been fair but compare it to what it could have been do do feel very grateful that uh, we've we've actually managed to get anyway feel very grateful that i did my taxes correctly for for the three years that that it counts because um i know there are a lot of people in the industry working a lot in cash that you know they've been they've been flush for many years and suddenly thinking shit <laughs> oh no i had that moment of as well like doing because january obviously we had the deadline for self-employment tax uh, return it's just like i'm really glad i have been paying my taxes for the past few years i'm very glad that this is just you know coming back to me in a little form the tiny little form but it's still coming back to you because when i see the situation in in other countries for example back home in france it's a lot more stressful it's a lot more stressful and i've seen and heard of a lot of uh well acts of despair happening because the people are not seeing a way out and that's also and it's even more heartbreaking i feel when it is it happens to people who have been giving of their practice of their talent whatever field they were working in but yeah have it's tricky i suppose because even if you know, you, for example, you trained as a yoga teacher, a wellness person, 
of, of sorts, whether you breathe, you move, you sing, whatever. It's not always easy to put what we've learned into practice for ourselves. And when we have our lows, because indeed, as you said, as a yogi, you're expected to whoop, be the person that brings life to the party, bring be the person that cheers and, and takes everyone up and, and raises their energy. When it happens to you, how can you approach this with as much compassion as possible? Yeah, I know when, so uh, to, to also bring this back to why we originally started talking about doing this podcast and to, to also bring it towards like masculinity and the difference of you know men who should supposedly should be able to deal with this better because we're more stoic and all this and uh but then would it be better if we were the the men who have a bit more feminine energy and can share and where we're a bit more yogi i i think people have had to especially on the yoga side that that living speaking your truth but being authentic is really difficult to to persevere with so um speaking internally i i've joy was my word of the year this year because 2020 a lot of things happened mechanically yoga in many ways became a way to make money to make a brand every part of it your your instagram posts were curated everything nothing was coming naturally or flowing because it's building a brand and then because of that uh, that little battle and people everyone having an opinion and it, it did even get pushed further towards people becoming more woke around the time of the blm protests which you know that that spread to all walks where everything you said was suddenly very, very curated. And I, through like the, the third quarter of last year, felt like I'd lost the ability to find joy first in, in my practice, which I found yoga initially a few years ago when, when I desperately needed it. And it became my path to, to freedom and being able to express myself and really just enjoy life. And that, that disappeared. And once that sort of disappeared, then and finding the little victories, you know, we're, we're so proud of the businesses that we created during a global pandemic, that impossible to find the joy and the pride. It was, you know, you, you hear people congratulate you, but all you're looking at is a profit and loss or checks and balances. And then the, the opportunity costs there might've been. And so, so this year, uh, was yeah, finding joy. And I think a lot of people out there will be feeling similar, but will have different words that they need to define. So if it's pride, if it if it's gratitude, um, I do believe that if people can find that that one thing that could make them really go about their mission and uh, and their profession. So yeah, as I say, joy, pride. Like, I, I know I I lost it. And I know people within the industry who are having to put so much energy out there to a screen where sometimes there's zero response on the other side. I, I really am desperate for that, that moment of being able to get into a yoga class. And actually, that, that was my flow state. I could saunter through a yoga class, seeing people, oh God, touching people, that's a blast from the past. Um, <laughs> and and I, I do feel like trying to find the, the joy in teaching, the, the idea of getting back to that, you know, if it's one class, definitely won't be the 15 16 that it used to be but um i i know for me personally that like finding the joy in 
in life and the uh, and everything we're doing. There's been a huge, huge change in the the month and a half that we've had of 2021, where 2020 was just so became very mechanical. Everything was done for a purpose. You're you're not enjoying the journey. There's just a trying to hit a goal at the end. With, with the goalposts constantly being changed, lockdown one, two, three, again, even when you finally set yourself goals or set yourself targets and then they get moved, it's, it's really been tough for people to, to actually keep that resilience. Totally. Finding res- resilience was on my list of words for for 2021, actually. So it's interesting that you brought it up because it was, it's... um uh what's what was his name it's a a yoga instructor that my housemate introduced me to during lockdown and we did a lot of his videos um he's american travis elliott there we go travis elliott and for me i ended up trying to connect resilience to finding the calm within the activity the activity within the calm being the eye in the storm and just seeing that if something is going in a direction that doesn't feel like it could have a good ending, just sitting through it, watching, becoming as aware as possible of my surrounding and what my thoughts are doing, where my body is going. For example, as a breath person, this is quite fun, ironically enough, because when I, when my mind spirals into something that's too much stress or fatigue or emotional overload, I get breathing spasms. So my diaphragm kind of just stops temporarily at the top of the at the top of the inhale. So it's like you start with a yawn and then you're trapped and you can't exhale. So when I get those, even though I know how to breathe and how to get people out of these things, bringing that into my own practice and reminding myself that I know how to get out of it is <laughs> is it's it's a practice and you have to apply a lot of resilience to it being like it's okay it's not happening it's happening for a reason you have the ability because you're in the middle of this storm to see the width of the cloud how far it expands and therefore also to pinpoint where the depression if we're carry on carrying on with um mm. whether weather terminology um where it's (laughs) kicking in and how you can create the opposite effect to pick up on so you said you found yoga at a very specific moment in life and joy is clearly a word that you're connecting to it and I do remember us briefly talking about it when you were starting yoga and I think you were doing the championship and representing Hungary (laughs) I think that that would have been about a year and a half in um, but no, I, I found yoga when it was early 2016, um, at this point, very much in, uh, in the throes of bodybuilding, powerlifting, um, wanting to be bigger, stronger, leaner, uh, you know, that, that was, that was fitness for me personally. And most of my personal training with clients would have been weight centric uh calisthenic based perhaps and then early 2016 my father got very ill uh got dumped by a girl you know that's where all great life decisions start um and at that point a business opportunity so potentially working with a with a friend where i was going to do the pting she was going to do the yoga led me to checking out uh will i do you know i where was it uh, Yotopia in Covent Garden 
had 20 days yoga, all you could offer, started doing vinyasas, hatha, concentrating on my breath, ashtanga, forest yoga, and 14 days out of the 20. And literally off the back of that, turned around and was like, I'm going to become a yoga teacher. <laughs> Live my way into a teacher training uh, a couple of weeks later. Because you do, though. And again, the, this is where there are definitely some issues with yoga teacher trainings where you, you can join a 200 hour, which is the base level, uh, but you're meant to have been, you know, have you been practicing for two years? Who is your guru? What is this? And there, there were no checks, no balances. I made all of that up, got into my, my teacher training because I, I desperately needed to know more. And I would yoga trainings into probably three types. Got the very physical, so what most people probably want, learn how to stretch and do handstands. The very spiritual, lots of theory and history of yoga. And then the very emotional, which is breaking down, trying to find your vulnerability, I managed to fake my way into the emotional one, which at the time, if I'd known this was the case, it's not a chance in hell I would have gone any further. However, that is exactly what I needed at the time. So it was 16 girls, two guys, the other guy being um, in his mid-60s, amazing guy, Roger, who's sadly no longer with us. But within three minutes, one of the ladies had burst out crying. No, no apparent reason. She, this was just a huge release. She was so proud she had finally done this. And I, you know, my, uh, the, the, almost a snarl, I looked at her, what is she doing? And within six months, uh, I was dancing, hugging, uh, didn't quite cry on the course, but the tears eventually started flowing. And it's what, it's what I needed, the, the emotional side. And this, when you look at general masculinity and how mental health and all all these things, the key words now, people will post them on their Instagram, but it's still a long way to get men to really push and put, let's say, put the work in to, to try find their vulnerabilities. Because it's also, it's not, it's not readily found. Uh, you really do have to, like, I, I, I fell into that training. Um, I know there's uh, a good friend of mine, Ben Bidwell, is a huge advocate. Actually, uh, I'm doing a retreat with him later in the year where he's a huge advocate of vulnerability, really calls it taking, taking the mask down. But, you know, if, if your cookies and your internet search and your, your IG doesn't push you towards that, then you're, you're just never even going to think about it. Then, then actually, you know, have the tools to do it. So I feel, again, very lucky that I fell into that yoga trap. But then yeah, moving, moving forward, uh, I, I just fell in love, especially with the anatomy side. But, um, and at the time being about 106, 7 kg, uh, quite big and muscly, I appealed to a very different demographic. So at Gymbox, they asked me to create yoga for lifting. And that, that was my breakthrough into the yoga world because being a different shape, different languaging, different appeal, suddenly other people are seeing what is available and people who had previously turned their nose up at yoga not a bloody chance uh it was an amazing way to to, to get into that and it was just if i if i sat and taught a class speaking about chakras and 
um, Kundalini energy, I'd be lying. I'd be making that up. That that's that's not me. It'd be very unnatural. I I wouldn't know what to say. But suddenly, when you when you realize yoga is an entirely open vessel that you can fill with yourself. So if that's anatomy, that's talking about referencing your overhead squat position by opening shoulders, um, a deeper squat, injury prevention, bending so you don't break. These are all things that suddenly I, I found a, an amazing group of people that were now intrigued where previously they would rather just let their body break um, than ever consider yoga. So that, that was my, my big journey in and you know like I, I teach arm balancing i teach lots of different things but that is still my my passion that that yoga for lifting uh with down to flow uh the class i teach just call it move well because it's slow flows i it, it lets me indulge my narcissistic side because i can talk so much um explaining what muscles are working people can understand ah you know i, I feel that and you can go and you can, you know, you're not just changing the way uh, you lift weights or run, you're changing your quality of life, which is, it, it still takes a while to drill that into people's heads that the stretches you do in the gym are going to help you walk around nice and proud. If you're a salesman and you want to be open and uh, your lower back hurts, you're going to be a shitty salesman. You know, if, if you're someone who does have to sit down for their entire day, and half that entire time, your your shoulders hurt. That whatever your job is, you're going to be worse at it. You then go home and you want to, you know, play with your kids or whatever it might be. And all you're thinking is, um, my hips hurt, my knees hurt, because your calves are tight. Every part of your life can be changed by simple stretches. And then you going even further, you uh, you get into the breath work, being able to deal with your emotions, even just one percent is better than zero percent so all, all of this was yeah I, I saw yoga for lifting as a, a gateway drug to get people uh to at least open the door to, towards yoga practice um and then you know pa pairing this I, I found my my guru again by traditional senses yeah. like you know what, what most of us read that a yogi has to be super kind and um super you hate competition and you're floaty and all these uh, his name is keha and the man could not be any opposite that it is from the bikram community but just a phenomenal coach and it once again opened uh, opened my eyes to you make what you want from yoga you don't be a hypocrite and you tell people don't compete you don't say that's wrong Whatever people want to take from it, if that's improving them, then that's, I keep using the F word, that's bloody awesome. Um, and again, so, so what this led to was me competing in the, the UK, was it? the UK Yoga Sports Championships. And it's a small community, but you go onto a stage, you do a, a pose off and you, you are ranked on those poses it's a lot like diving is the best way to explain it you know yeah. you get style points and then difficulty multipliers so if you if you shoot for the stars and you you know you go to your single arm handstand and you fall over you get zero points whereas if you go for something much more conservative which the poses i went for because i couldn't do the 
the crazy, crazy stuff others were doing. So went to these competitions and when I, I you know, I posted on Facebook, uh, really proud to, to be doing this, to be putting myself out there. And the pushback I got from little bitches on Facebook was it's hilarious in all honesty. And listen to how yogi I sat. Little bitches. Um, the, <laughs> as soon as I as soon as I said that there was a competition, nobody cared about the message. Nobody cared that all I'd written was I was so amazed to be around these other athletes and this community of people who truly loved and supported each other. All they saw was yoga and competition, and the words yoga and competition shouldn't be in the same sentence together. I thought yoga was about non-competition. Look, and I. I just responded with one sentence saying, I thought yoga was about non-judgment. Tumbleweed. Just, Did you like some cold silent. water for so that I, burn? Like, I, I wanted to go. <laughs> um, I, like, I'm, I'm still on my journey. to. I, I, I still argue far too much. And you can tell I'm probably getting quite heated remembering this. But that's, yeah. And it's, again, it goes to that a little bit of hypocrisy. If people do yoga because they want to become epic at back then, you know, truly amazing Cirque du Soleil style. And as long as they're doing that in a safe way that makes them joyous and happy, that's yoga. If, and that, you know, that, that's what fitness should be. If you, if you're a bodybuilder, even to the point, like, yeah, if, as well as that, if people are doing steroids because it makes them happy, but then I was going to say, I've probably gone a bit too far on that side, but then, we, we used to poo-poo bodybuilders, you know, for, for just doing reps, just to look good and just to be massive. And if that is truly your love and you love the process and you're doing it internally, then amazing. If you are doing it because it's fueling uh, a body image issue and it, uh, as once upon a time in my early 20s, I look back and I definitely was, you know, reps and reps and heavy lifting and it was to compete and compare against other people, that's not healthy. So if you're doing your yoga practice and it's very physical and it's just to show off, there's an issue there. However, if you are pushing yourself to your limit, if you're testing yourself, but it makes you happy and it's progressing you and it's not uh, leading you to neglect your relationships and every other part of your life, then that's fantastic. Go as hard as you possibly can, but be mindful uh, because it is a, you know, it's a, it's a very sharp edge of the sword. You can quickly fall off either way. And so, um, yeah, that, that was actually a big point of what I wanted to say when, when coming to, to talk like yogis, fitness fundies, um, crossfitters, every bit of it is amazing. If it, if it gets people moving and it gets people a bit healthier, a bit more mindful, then Honestly, go hula hoop, Zumba, like whatever works for you. These are incredible vehicles to take people to a, to a healthier and happier place. But we all bitch and moan about the things that we don't do. And then it takes a real, like, you have to step outside your comfort zone to, to do something else. I, I remember uh, a few years ago getting convinced to, to go to a pole fit class. So it was myself. I, I just knew the teacher. Two of my friends said they were coming and they bailed on me. Um, but I was just so humbled, so humbled by the incredible 
control and strength that these girls are doing on a pole where I literally touched it with my armpit and I got a blood blister. No idea what was going on and uh, ended up being fun. So embarrassing, so embarrassing. Actually happened to be completely off topic. My future fiance, who I wouldn't meet for another year, uh, walked past that class that, for another story. Really? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she obviously saw something she liked. But yeah, that, that, is, that would be my, my pure overriding message into to anything movement based because it will positively or negatively affect your mental health your emotional health uh, and what that does it's never a selfish thing if you're in a positive mental emotional state you can then push that onto others you will be more generous with your time with your money and you will create more synergy with the people around you so the, you know if you're a scientist uh, and you're an arsehole, you're probably going to do less good things for the world. Whereas if you are someone who is able to work with others, uh, there's probably a lot of incredible people who have done a lot of the world who are absolute assholes that I've, I've gone too far again. But um, I, I, do, I do see it as a thing of, and I, I try to tell my students that if you can cultivate joy and happiness, that will move to your friends that will rub off on your loved ones your colleagues those around you and if that's not a good thing then call me crazy <laughs> i would call you crazy but that's because i i've, I've seen you train uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that what you were saying as well just because going back to bikram bikram does not have a good uh image rep because of everything reputation everything bad that the man has done. However, you can't take away the transformation he's put a lot of people through. When when the Bikram scandal, you know, came out, the documentary came out, quite weirdly, three or four of my friends show up in the video just as they're like scanning past, you know, the, the him doing the teacher trainings and things. It, it was something that was, you know, when that movie came out, I got put to the masses. And again, a lot of the time, like as a yoga teacher, or like everyone was suddenly like, that's why you bloody do yoga. Now I see that I, I had to fight my corner a little bit for just because I'm a male yoga teacher doesn't mean I'm a pervert. Exactly. Um, which I, I joke about it now, but at the time was, yeah, it, at, at the time it really was like people who had watched that video came and or some stopped coming to my classes because they, they suddenly thought, ah, now I see each of those assists would have suddenly felt so much dodgier. So for me, assisting someone, it became such a more sensitive subject, which again, detracts from your ability to teach. But the people I, I felt so bad for, because the whole Bikram industry did, it was, it was decimated, where that, that's good because the, the money that was going to him, that, that stopped. But there are teachers who've put their entire life into this. They are astounding human beings some of the best out there. And now they would have just had a big red stamp on their forehead that says, you know, do not touch. And these people have to reinvent their livelihood. They have kids, they've got, uh, they've got people that they need to support. And it, the, the same things happened with CrossFit uh, in 2020, when 
Greg Glassman, who is the CEO of CrossFit, tweeted uh, a, a very racially aggravated a tweet around George Floyd. And this, this billion dollar industry came to a screeching halt uh, because gyms were suddenly, you know, gyms were dropping his, their, their name, the brand Reebok, who was their main sponsor, cut ties with them. And so from this bigot at the top, of the industry puts one tweet out there and then people who've put their entire life into building a CrossFit gym, which are amazing communities. Again, CrossFitters uh, take a huge amount of flack. I've seen a lot of them train. I was one. A lot of them deserve a lot of flack. But again, the, the community basis, the, the ability to get people moving who've never moved because CrossFit just appeals to them. That, that's incredible. And suddenly, because there's one tweet, a lot of people would have lost a, a lot of money and you know their families their, themselves would have been put into a very bad place so it, the well, i think Bikram came out probably 2019 um, i think so yeah then this happened 2020 with crossfit and um, a lot of a lot of people in the fitness industry would have suffered a huge a huge amount because of where they you know were um where they set themselves up. And it's a huge shame because uh, the, the people outside, you know, you can stab, but it's easy to kick someone when they're down. So it's been a, uh, luckily I'm, I'm not a Bikram teacher or a CrossFit coach anymore. So I've, I've not felt too much of that, but I, I will always fight the corner of these, uh, of these counterparts who have suffered. Is they're, they're very good people and very passionate experts who are helping uh, helping a lot oh totally and a french actor that i was madly in love with when i was a kid he, he was he must have been in in his late 80s when i was 10 years old but i was watching old french films so i was just madly in love with younger version of him well. um <laughs> and he said the works of a man have to be strong enough so we can peek backstage and not be disappointed and i feel this translates and transfers itself to every single part of every industry so whether it's a Bikram that was providing people with an incredible method, but behaving like an absolute pervert and horrible manipulative person, whether it's exactly the CrossFit sir that all of a sudden tweet, decided to tweet. That's the thing. You put some thought into, I'm going to send a tweet that I stand behind, even though it's profoundly and deeply racist. On... I mean, come on, like, there, there, there is literally a guy who spent four years as president of the US who <laughs> never put any thought into his tweets. So it's, a, it's, not like, it's not like this should be a surprise. Sorry to put a, sorry to put a joke when you're talking very seriously. I know, I love a good joke. I love a good joke. But it, it is true. Like some people, some people don't use the brain and tweet things, but they believe in what they're tweeting. They're not questioning whether or not it's going to have an impact on, on others, on others, because it's uh, that freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is great. I'm an, an expression and voice coach. It's great. However, there is a way to go on about it. And whatever you say has an impact on a lot more than your just little bubble, your own little bubble. But it is, uh, yeah, it's incredible that we ended up talking about so much in that amount of time. To round you up, I have a little question for you. What would you say to a guy who's potentially thinking into going into yoga, but is struggling with the, I'm going to call it the hippie side of things? 
the chakras, the emotion, the release that we talked about? What would you say to someone to nudge them a little closer to giving it a go? Where I would go with this is actually very simple. Do your research before you you get into yoga because, and this this goes for guys and girls, the vast majority get into it to fix their body. And the first thing you see on a, on a gym timetable is yoga. You don't look into it at all. You don't look at the teacher and you pick a dynamic vinyasa and you go in for a 45 minute class where you end up feeling like a wanker because you don't know what the moves are. The teacher is stuck in their own minds so flowing and it's not their fault because you know they've got a group of 20 people to 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 conduct so if you are looking to get into yoga and taking care of your body so that that mobility that physical side read the class read whatever you know if it's online if it's in person because what happens is you go in you get so embarrassed because most guys you know will be a big jack guy who also probably wants to show off to some of the girls who are in the class or like you'll always see the guy looking around that that's the per the new person because they want to see what's happening they if you go to the class you should go to the nice simple stretch class that is going to be what unlocks your shoulders, which gives you the knowledge. Okay, I know what a down dog is now. I know what a vinyasa is. I supta So that when you actually start to go deeper, you are already that, like, if, if you're told to stand on one leg for five minutes, you're not listening to, you're not unlocking the emotional capacity or the breath work because you're huffing and puffing and swearing either audibly or in your head and then you're probably never going to go to yoga again because you've just you've just tarred yoga with that shitty stick however if you actually took that first step to just learn to look and uh, it's a lot of people did they saw me as a teacher and they're like he looks yeah he looks a bit like me i'll go into that and i was able to help coerce them open their hips enough that now they could go to that class with the ex-dancer who is super flowy and they don't feel stupid. That, uh, I know it's not very, I'd love to say like, open your heart and be more emotionally in tune before you go into yoga, but it's the opposite. Open your hips, open your shoulders, and then you can actually start to listen. And then you can actually start to breathe. And that's when you'll have those eureka moments. And if that means you do more yoga because you love it, and then you're standing on your hands, or if that means you're just walking around. As I said, you're a salesman who's now happier. You're a grandpa who, or grandma, who can now play with their grandkids while they're back there. Then amazing. Whatever, whichever way your journey takes it. Read the bloody class description before you take it, and then you're not going to get disappointed. And then I'm not going to have an argument with you in a party because you say yoga's rubbish. Bub, real talk. Real talk. And God, I love you for that real talk. Where can the good people of, uh, of, the, of the world find you, my friend? Uh, I'm going to put two sites out there that you got to check out. Downtoflowathome.com. That is our online yoga studio. There's everything you want. So that's all over social medias. And for corporate well-being. So if you want your work to start looking towards sleep therapy, movement classes, the emotional health, resilience, leadership, then check out hastaworld.com. Right. 
Hasta la vista. Hasta la vista, Dil. And for everyone else who was listening, thank you very much for tuning in. I'll catch you Thursday for your shorter episode, and we'll be back next week for another conversation. Bye, guys. Thank you, Dil. Bye.